Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Hey, everybody, it's uh, me, Christian Harloff. If you like my show, one-on-one with Christian Harloff, you're not going to want to miss No Excuses with John Taffer. Shut it down and listen to John, the award-winning hospitality legend, as he brings his straight talk and unapologetic approach to daily topics, current events. And in the most recent episode of Bar Rescue, he teams up with Mark Cuban, everybody knows Mark Cuban, Bethany Frankel, and more to rescue a bar, community center with playground, baseball fields, and basketball courts in Puerto Rico that were devastated by Hurricane Maria. Listen to his latest live podcast where he goes in-depth about his amazing rescue. So download No Excuses. It's every Tuesday on Podcast One, podcastone.com, and Apple Podcasts. And as always, remember to rate and review. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. While supplies last, offer ends 831 that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify.
The Clone Wars series is back. Padme's getting her own book, and we got to find out why that stormtrooper actually bumped his head. It's coming up on Jedi Council with an announcement. Yums. Welcome back to Collider Jedi Council. I'm Christian Harloff. That's my camera, Cody. Thank you. And it is a pleasure to see everybody back from you, son of a... You son of a... I see what you're doing there. Back from San Diego Comic-Con. Lots of things to talk about today. There are, there's a big announcement that we're going to have that I will actually be delivering momentarily here. But before we do, there's been a lot of tributes this week. But I've also got to give one here on Jedi Council to my good friend, the late, great John Schnepp. Pains me to even say that in, in that way because uh, I was talking to him about Star Wars a week and a half ago and it, it, it he was one of the most creative fun people that i had ever had the opportunity and pleasure to work with um i said it on the movie talk tribute that there was just something about john that he and i just we just vibe right away uh he got my sense of humor i got his sense of humor we there's a rhythm sometimes you develop with people when you're on panels and we had that uh, right away and a lot of people obviously know John Schnepp from Movie Talk and Heroes and, and his love, his sweatiness, as he would say, for comic book knowledge, comic book movies. He was a Star Wars fanatic. He, in the early days of this show, he was on quite often. He just um, he didn't have the, the schedule, didn't permit it as much towards, you know, the, the last couple of months or even last year. But he and I would talk Star Wars all of the time and he would if he thought there was something that i was upset about he would console me on it when it came to star wars or if there was something else that we talked through that he loved that i didn't love or or vice versa we would talk it out all the time we would go to lunch and and i always just loved talking to him and hearing his perspective even when i didn't agree with him because he would always come at a different angle than most people um i miss him terribly i've already in this last week it's it's still hard to process i know it's hard to process for you guys the amount of love and support that has come from from all over this community has been uh, encouraging um and i am so glad that everyone has even if you didn't know him personally that he had this kind of effect on people that it was it, the way I, mean, I saw this too. And when when he passed away, people had said that they were affected the same way that that they were affected when, say, Robin Williams passed. It was that the, it was that kind of connection that you have with him if you didn't meet him because that's what he did. He was inviting. He was warm. Um, we will forever remember him in Collider on Jedi Council. I will always remember him as a friend. And I just had to say my words because it's fitting. We miss you. John, we miss you terribly. And with that, we are also going to honor his memory by having a fun show here on Collider Jedi Council. Joining me as always, Ken Knapsack. Kylo Ken is here. Happy to be here. One of the things I now cherish in my Star Wars collection is a gift John got me my first winter here when I worked at Collider. He got me some Return of the Jedi promotional, like, cardboard cutout things in a pack. And they were vintage. And he just was like, hey, I know you love Star Wars, man. Merry Christmas. And he probably had it in his garage. But, no, yeah. no, he, he wouldn't sod it out. Did he? And that's what I loved about John, because awesome. he had no reason to buy me a gift. He just, I know you love Star Wars, and I want to celebrate with you. I'll cherish that in my collection. Yes, John was a big Star Wars fan, and we will celebrate and continue to talk about Star Wars in his honor, because he was a giant fan. Happy to be here, Christian. Happy to have you here, too. And you, uh, last week, you, you wrote me, and you said, look, 
Yeah. I have a very fun guest that yeah. I like to bring on the show, and, I, and, and then you told me about our fun guest today here, and I want to learn more about our fun guest, the audience. Yeah. Please introduce our guest. Absolutely. Uh, I found this uh, gentleman's uh, fun videos, Star Wars interviews and such on the old internet, and since then we've reached out, become friends. You've heard me mention his name and his great interviews, specifically the one with Ahmed Best. It is from the UK. Jamie Stangroom is here. Thank you. What's up, Jamie? How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. It's, it's uh, an honor to be here. I've been watching the top half of you for like quite some time now to, to see that you've actually got legs. We do. It's reassuring and very nice. Nice, nice legs. It, it's good to have you here. You've got this uh, YouTube channel, Jamie Stangroom. People can go follow. And, and, and around the time Force Awakens, you decided to, uh, in, your, in your very fun, comedic, but earnest way, go and find the forgotten Star Wars actors and characters that has led you down the path to some wonderful interviews with people like uh, Femi Taylor, Ula, mm. uh, Brian Blessed. You've got a great interview with Boss Nass and from Flash Gordon, of course. Right. Uh, and then uh, my personal favorite when we talked about it recently, Ahmed Best, because it showed honesty. It showed uh, him looking at it, at what happened yeah. to him, but also showed that he's not afraid to talk about Star Wars, which is something I love to hear, too. He's not at all. Um, just one thing, you did miss out. Uh, yeah. The guy who played Jabba the Hutt's tail did drive all the way to Wales from London <laughs> to, to chat to him. Uh, but yeah, Ahmed was, I mean, that's what, that's, the one interview that people have noticed, to be honest. Yeah. Was that a phone call or did you actually go out It was a Skype interview. Um, so actually, uh, I'm in L.A. right now for the first time since that interview, maybe. No, 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 I have been here since. But anyway, I'm meeting Ahmed over the weekend for the first time oh, in cool. the real world. Follow-up in the, follow up in the gun, gun flesh. Yeah, is it a so, follow-up interview or is it just uh, a... I'm yeah. not sure yet because we have done multiple interviews. So we did yeah. the original interview, which was part of the series. Right. And that kind of... I didn't realise it was really the first time he spoke. Yeah. I guess first time he spoke when he was ready to speak. Because obviously speak. he did interviews after, yeah, after, yeah. The, after the films. But he was ready to speak, obviously. Why yeah. he spoke to me, I don't know. I don't know. But he did. It's he, the hair. And yeah. I think it is the hair. It's, it's the, the hair. accent. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is hair, just to point out. It's not, not, not a wig. And, <laughs> yeah, he was just ready to speak. And he, and he poured it out. Although, as we learned you know, from his tweet recently, he didn't pour it all out. He didn't right. go that far. But we then did another interview because, actually, that interview was recorded... And I'm the worst editor of all time, the slowest editor of all time. It probably didn't go out for another six, seven, maybe even a year after we recorded it. Mm. Mm. A year of it? Wow. I know. And I had Why? the Michael Jackson exclusive, which then <laughs> Vice got, before, wow. got out there before me, where um, mm. Ahmed revealed that uh, Michael Jackson actually asked Jar Jar Binks, was lobbying uh, really? George Lucas to be Jar Jar be Binks. Jar Jar, but right. uh, Jackson wanted to be the physical form. Yeah. And obviously, George Lucas wanted to try this new technology, which, of course, Ahmed, you know, partly pioneered, pioneered yeah. um, which now I, I feel like he's starting to get the credit for, which is great. But we, then I got lots of comments on the video saying, why didn't you ask him about Darth Jar Jar? Because that theory had become right. a thing by the right. time I put it out. So I had to explain to however many people that, well, actually, we recorded it, and I'm a terrible editor. And we then did a follow-up. So we spoke about Darth Jar Jar. I gave him mm. some lines to do in the voice he would have given Right, to Darth right. Jar Jar, because I don't know how much he's just playing along with it and how much he really believes that there was potential for Darth Jar Jar, but yeah. either way, and, he, right. he goes with it. And, and my favorite part of, I think, uh, probably the follow-up interview... That's the third interview. The third interview, yeah. where he re you, you had him read the passage from yeah. Chuck Wendig's uh, Aftermath book, which oh, wow. is why, one of my favorite interludes from yeah. the book, because it's a, it's a sad, bittersweet, but also kind of hopeful return to Jar Jar, mm -hmm. and to hear Abed read it in his voice brought some weight to it that, right. that I thought was there. That's the one you had mentioned yeah. on the show. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was the third one, and, and he enjoyed it, he, and he enjoys talking about it. I think he's starting to feel 
loved by the Star Wars universe for the first time, the fandom. You know why I think that is, too? I mean, we've mentioned this many times, and I think, again, just to, to repeat it, we were at a place where the prequels was the last thing we were ever getting. Before Clone Wars, before any new movies, before Disney um, bought it, that was it. So it's like you you had the original trilogy and the prequels. You didn't like the prequels, you're going to be pissed off because that's all you got. So what do people do when they're pissed off? They blame it on one particular person or a few different people. They blame George Lucas and they blamed uh, Jake Lloyd and they blamed Ahmed Best. We're at a point now where there's so much Star Wars that it's like, I don't like that movie, but you know, the guy was doing what he was doing. You know, and like you yeah. said, like he was even doing this stuff before Andy Serkis was. Yeah. And Andy Serkis is the like the king. Yeah. Um, so it, it's good that the fans. You can't blame him. You can still blame George sure. for the, for Jar Jar because it's a it's a crappy character. It it, it was a it was a silly voice, and I still think they would have worked a lot better if they had you know the uh, subtitles over the thing. But you can't blame Ahmed Best. No, he was asked Lucas to wrote do, the script. Yeah. Ahmed did what was on the script. He did a good job. Exactly. What he, he was, was asked to do he, the actor's job, and as an actor, he did what his director asked. So you can't really get you can't get mad at him. No, and he's a genuinely talented guy. I think you can yeah. see that from his performance anyway in The Phantom Menace. Oh yeah, uh, the small scenes he has uh, after that in Clones and, and Sif. But he's um, his background is in um, music. He's a music producer, and also he was in the stage show Stomp. So that's where yeah, he gets okay. the kind of movement, yeah. and he's a percuss- percussionist, and he's got a podcast. He's he's a, he's a great actor, you know, as himself in his own physical form. He's a really funny, warm guy, yeah. and, I, and I hope that people now start to see past because he couldn't get in audition rooms because of right. Jar Jar Binks and that attachment. He couldn't get in. No, yeah. no, that's in the second interview. Which is actually. also crazy, considering you couldn't see the guy. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. Which is right. yeah, because I guess you just carried kind of like a stink. It was that, that stigma stick. But I think yeah. twenty years out, this is I keep talking about the twentieth anniversary of Phantom Menace. There's an entire generation of Star Wars fans that grew up. And this was their first experience. I think I think that's helping too, where they're growing up and realizing. Right. That was part of their childhood, and now they're adults, and, and, and Ahmed's a big part of that. It's very true, because yeah. it's funny. It's, George has said it many times. It's clear as day that Jar Jar Binks is made for six-year-olds. Mm-hmm. A, a six-year-old would love Jar Jar Binks. My daughter's f- favorite character in Phantom Menace is Jar Jar Binks. Right. She's six years old. Yeah. Um, if she's 15 and tells me that, I'll kick her out of the house. Um, <laughs> but the point is that it's... Uh, it, it's it's good to see that he's able to bounce back and that he because like you said like you mentioned with his tweet he handled well he handled it publicly better than the others did because mm-hmm. you look at poor Jake Lloyd and the things that he had gone through you know mm-hmm. um it comes out now after the Kelly Marie Tran stuff happened and then Ahmed Best goes a little bit more public about the stuff that he went through and that he went through from the public, that he went through from uh, just mentally. Uh, and it's good that he bounced back from that, too. And I'm curious, though, like, how did he... So he, he, you found him how? I think I tweeted him. Just tweeted him? To be wow. honest, I think I tweeted him, and we moved into the old... I stood into his... Uh, into his yeah. Yeah. And we kind of took it from there, and it's, it's strange because the first interview... For me, I mean, my background is in interviewing people yeah. at home in the U.K., it just felt like a normal interview, to be honest. And was he I cautious? I think he was, yeah. yeah. And at the end, I remember him saying, um, well, that wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was telling him that you know, I do light interviews normally. Yeah. But I didn't intend it to go that way either. He gave me more than I ever expected. But ever since we've, we've chatted since in the, the two following interviews, we've chatted, for, I think the last one, which is the one that you, mm-hmm. you referenced, I think we chatted for about 
two and a half to three hours. That's great. Obviously, yeah. I only put out like 50 minutes or something, but we just talk. So if we do end up making some content when I see him while I'm in town, well, I don't have a plan. I don't need a plan, you right. know, because it's got to that stage where we're just chatting now. Right. Yeah, and that's what happens. Mates who have never you, met. You, you, know? you have a rapport with somebody and, and they trust you and, and the thing is because when you're interviewing people, you want to make sure, like you said, they're comfortable. You always, like I've been doing the one-on-one, I do a show here one-on-one and I just sit down with somebody for like an hour and we, we talk. But I always say to them beforehand, I said, there's anything you don't want to talk about, what is it? Now, you, want, you want them to trust you mm-hmm. and you want to also... You want to be real. You want to be real to the audience. You want to be. You want to find out the right stuff. But if they don't want to talk about it, you can't kind of pressure them. But then after a while, you do two, three, four interviews with somebody. They're going to want to talk to you about more stuff, and they're going to ask you to be the person that they can get this information out to the world. Yeah. First. And last time I spoke to him, he was talking about um, writing a book about his experience. Oh wow, That'd with uh, with Jar Jar. But now I believe, going from the tweet, it's turning into a one man show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think, you know, even name, better. You know, probably great, smarter for him anyway, performer. too, yeah. Not to say anything against his writing, but he's, like you said, he's a great performer. Yeah, yeah. He's, got a, he's got a story to tell, you know, a real, real story to tell. And yeah. I think it's also, it's not unique. A lot of people can relate to this. You know, you talked about the other incidents uh, just within Star Wars, you know, and of course there's other franchises. But it's, you know, uh, I think it's also making people think twice about how they behave online. Because even Simon Pegg. Yeah. said that he felt mortified when he saw Ahmed's message about the depression he yeah. felt because he was one of those people making yeah. fun of Jar Jar publicly, like really ridiculing him right. perfectly. So, yeah. Well, was Simon making fun of Jar Jar or was he making fun of Ahmed best? I imagine he's making fun of Jar Jar, but still, he he still feels that I guilt. get it. I he get that he feels that bad, but again, that's that's where I would tell Simon. You know, if I if I knew Simon, I'd say I I get why you feel bad for reading this guy's. It's a human response to to feel that way, but it's okay to say you don't like the character mm. again because you're not you, you right there and there you're not criticizing him at best you're criticizing george lucas and you're allowed to do that as a star wars fan it depends on how you do it you know it depends on how what the criticism is and it, how, i think there's a difference between constructive criticism and hate yeah and ahmed gets that he's proud of his time on star wars he's yeah. proud of his performance he's proud of jar jar binks Equally, he won't shut you down if you tell him that I didn't like the character. He's right. not going to shut you down over it. He gets, he gets it, you know, and he'll mm-hmm. have a, an adult conversation with you. One thing, though, um, I can't remember the exact words, but he said in one of the interviews, I think the Darth Jar Jar one, that George Lucas did tell him, don't worry, eventually this will all be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids that are seeing you now, that are loving you now, will one day be adults, right. you know? mm-hmm. And the other ones will die. So <laughs> I don't think he used those words, but right. yeah, but right. more or less, I, I, I understand. Well, and then the other thing I wanted to spin into because you were talking about it off air is one of the people that you're looking for is the the stormtrooper that bumped his head. Yeah. So basically, I was trying to find these kind of the more niche characters that we love. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, the, the casual fans quite often don't know what I'm talking about. My mum has no idea. What, she didn't know Darth Vader is, but I, I did find the original Darth Vader as well. Sat in his garden shed. Yeah. Dave Prowse, wow. the body. Yeah. Um, so the idea was that I would find them and I would make a, like, a kind of tongue-in-cheek audition tape with them to try and show Disney what they're missing out on, maybe yeah. get them back in a, in a future <laughs> film. And it was quite easy to find these people. As you know, like, you type in who played Greedo, it's Paul Blake, you find that he's at every convention around the world and, until he dies. Right. You know, that's, that's it's what they easy do. to find them. Yeah. But... I'm sorry, I'm being very morbid, aren't I, uh, today? Um, <laughs> I'd say honest. Was, thank honest. you, thank yeah. you. Uh, the one that was very difficult to find um, was the stormtrooper who bumped his head because mm-hmm. there's uh, various people that conk. claim it was them. Which it's like a hidden secret. It yeah. is a hidden yeah. secret. And 
I sort of have took it upon myself to try and find out which of the three people making the claim is the, is the true uh, galactic idiot. So <laughs> this went from being like a six-minute uh, YouTube interview followed by the audition skit to... What's well, looking like about a 50-minute documentary about a split That's second. 50, in, in, five zero. Yeah, about oh, wow. a split second in movie history. Uh, yeah. You know, a uh, man hitting his head on a door. By the way, I've called it the Empire Strikes Door. <laughs> yeah, the Empire Strikes Door. And, yeah, there's three people. Uh, I've spoken to two of them. I've done polygraph tests on them. Now, I'm not convinced on polygraph tests, to be honest. And no. We don't really use them in the UK. You know, I don't know how they're used in the US, but... They're easy know. to get thrown out here. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. of course, uh, I, I've gone deeper, you know, and, and I am uh, having a jury right. uh, as well who will look at all the evidence I've acquired and they'll vote as to who they believe is telling the truth. That's the only way we can prove... Uh, right. Who, who do you think is so far? You want to wait? Save uh, it the for the three, uh, I'm not going to comment, but I'll give you a bit That's of background right. on yeah. the three. So, one of them uh, is a milkman. Uh, do, you, do you have milkmen in America back in the old days? Yeah, we used to. to. 50s yeah. are big. Yeah. Yeah. Same in the same at home. So he was a milkman, a fictional milkman in a in a soap opera called EastEnders. Yeah. Uh, he refused to talk to me. Got his phone number, spoke to him. He hung up at the mere mention oh, of wow. "I'd like to talk to you about Star Wars." Now he's put a video on YouTube, or at least his convention agent did many years ago, uh, where he's looking straight down the barrel of the camera, telling the world that he was, he was the man the, responsible for cinema's most okay. famous and, and concussive uh, blooper. And uh, he refused to speak, which is, which is fishy. Right. Uh, the second one, speaking of fish, the second one uh, was a guy who used to advertise fish fingers uh, in, the, in the UK. And uh, Captain Birdseye, he was called. So he makes the claim. And his sort of reason, uh, the only, I mean, at the end of the day, they tell a story. It takes five seconds of what down the corridor hit my head on the door. He has a massive head. And to be honest, yeah. it is, it's a truly magnificent <laughs> box. It's, it's genuinely, I don't know how he got the helmet on. Right. Uh, but he's proved he was there. He's proved he was in the film to me. Yeah. The third one, a guy called Laurie Good, who's um, really well-known on the uh, viewers. Well, no, I'm sure he's, he does all the conventions. Uh, he's very well-known. He's been signing autographs as that stormtrooper. Um, he tells the story that he had diarrhea. Okay. And he was forced back onto set, needed to go again, and was therefore awkwardly shuffling down the corridor. Right. Concentration <laughs> elsewhere. Hit his head on the door. Uh, I guess he got the costume dry cleaned afterwards. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to watch the documentary but, to find out. But so there's claims that three, it's so funny that three people, yeah, uh, well, two people out of the three are claiming that that it's it's them, and there's no like. Lucasfilm employees or anyone who's saying, you know, it's actually this person. They like the, they it, like the guessing. It's tough because, like, you know, the, one of my favorite little minor characters is Boshak, who is the guy that kind of turns Obi-Wan down at the cantina. Yeah. And he's got the sideburn stuff. And there's, like, no record for years of who that actor was. Mm. And they had, they had him track. Maybe it was you. I don't know. Someone finally kind of tracked down. I think he's passed away. But it was, like, for 25 years, no one knew. And it was so weird. And that's the thing. Like, like, whenever you speak to any Star Wars actor, nobody had any clue as to how big it would be. Right. So it's a wonder that they kept any props from that original film, you know, yeah. memorabilia and, uh, and log sheets or what have you. But I've spoken to crew. I've spoken to Gary Kurtz, the original producer. Oh, I've yeah, yeah. to the second AD, the clapper board guy. Mm -hmm. Two of them, two of them. Gary Kurtz knew all about it, and he actually explained why they kept it in the edit, which was really interesting, yeah. actually. Um, why? why? Simply the best take. Had the best energy. Uh. And it was sort of human. Yeah. Um, and it's it's false to say that they never noticed it because you know when they added the sound effect in the special edition, it's right, because right. oh, because now they've noticed it and right, yeah. make fun yeah. of it. But it, he said they knew in the edit room that it was there, and they just felt it was the it, best. It's take. funny you say that because that was something that I remember. I didn't know, and I had seen Star Wars so many times as a kid. I don't. I remember exactly when my friend pointed it out to me. Uh -huh. I was like seventeen. 
Yeah. And I had already seen Star Wars a ton of times, and it because the because the sound effect wasn't in there at that yeah. point. And we kept rewinding it and laughing and laughing, <laughs> and it was Beats. And he yeah. showed oh, good so, old Beats. And over and over and over again, I would watch that. But then because, like you said, people oh, people that are picking up on it, yeah. put the sound effect in there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a beautiful moment. But yeah. the other crew members I spoke to couldn't believe. They were being asked this question 40 years later, as you can imagine, uh, and they couldn't remember it, to be honest. No. It wasn't a big deal at okay. the time. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's not a big deal now. I'm just making it a big deal. Right, as you should. It. Let's take a quick break. You know what's one of my favorite things to do post-dancing rehearsal? Not going to lie, it's putting on some sweatpants immediately and having a drink. You all know I love a glass of wine or two, but I also like to switch it up. So lately, Jason and I have been making a little cocktail at night using Rum Haven. Rumhaven believes Mother Nature did things right, so it's crafted using real coconut water and not using artificial preservatives or flavorings. It is so incredibly refreshing. I mentioned I like to add it to a cocktail, but it's also actually great over ice with a splash of club soda. It tastes like I'm on vacation, sitting on an island somewhere far, far away which is without a doubt a great feeling, especially during these crazy times. So make sure to follow at Rumhaven on Instagram because they post all types of these seasonal recipes. They do giveaways and tips. Plus, when you go to discover.rumhaven.com, you can find their latest blogs, quizzes, and any promotions they have going on. On one of their latest blog posts, they actually have some tips about planning your virtual watch party, which is pretty perfect since everyone's favorite reality show is back on Tuesdays. Be sure to have a little virtual drink with me, sip some rum haven, maybe even while you're listening to the pod. Let me know what you think. Hey guys, it's John Roker, the producer of Collider Jedi Council. Hey, Gamefly is the best way to buy and rent all your favorite games. Gamefly puts video games where they belong in the hands of the gamers who love them. With your monthly subscription to Gamefly.com, you can pick your favorite games from over 9,000 titles and have them mailed directly to your door. Don't waste your money buying this year's new game titles before you know if they're even worth it. With Gamefly, you have access to all the newest game releases and you can keep them to play for as long as you want. So that's one monthly fee, unlimited video game rentals of all the most popular titles from Madden to Call of Duty, and over 9,000 titles to choose from so you can find most of your favorites keep the games as long as you want no late fees no due dates and when you're tired of it just mail it back and they'll send you a new game of your choosing and they offer movie rentals now as well go to gamefly.com slash collider and start your free premium 30-day trial today the premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time you can only get this offer by visiting gamefly.com slash collider now go sign up and start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days yeah. It's part of Star Wars. It's lore. part of Star Wars. And the other stuff is part of Star Wars. A lot of new movie news and canon news and a lot of it. There he is. MSTH3, however, looks like we might change his name. I'm thinking 5HNP. I think 5HNP would be a nice uh, little throwback and, and to honor the big man himself. So I think 5HNP is going to be that droid's name from now on. Mm-hmm. And it's movie news. Movie news. And there was some stuff that came out. Ken, what do we got? Well, I think we're going to dive into the fun world of wild speculation today so what we got? with the Star Wars news. This is a, an article uh, from MovieWeb uh, that says, uh, What brings uh, Lando back to the Resistance in Star Wars sure. 9 has been revealed. Uh, you know, going into the wilds of Reddit, there's some thoughts on what 
Lando might be doing in Episode 9, which pretty much confirmed. I don't think there's been a StarWars.com tweet or post about Ability officially being back, but I, I think we all kind of choose to accept that it's that it's happening. But uh, Pro Gambler and Droid Enthusiast Lando, they said, hasn't been seen the last two Star Wars sequels, but he'll be back, and there's speculation now that he will kind of be taking the role left behind by the late great Carrie Fisher, that he mm. might assume some leadership role. We're going to assume there's a bit of a time jump between 8 and 9. I hope so. Uh, and that whether or not he answered that call, I would love to know that uh, Shriv and Zay found him and that's somehow what happened. Um, we're also getting answers as to why there weren't uh, people rolling in to help uh, on Crate. Uh, that's going on in the Star Wars uh, Poe Dameron comic right now. Um, but What guy, are some of the reasons? Well, we haven't... We, we, I, I'm a little behind on the, epi- uh, on the issue, I think, because I, it could have come out this week. But they're doing, in the Poe Dameron comic, they're past... Last Jedi, and they're reflecting back. Yeah. And so uh, Poe's just kind of telling some tales out of school. And Snap, Jess Pava, the rest of Black Squadron go off. And the last time, at least the issue I've read, they've gone off to find help by Princess mm-hmm. Leia. Which makes Gen- sense because you're hearing that Snap's going to come Snap's back gonna anyway. going to come yeah. back. General Leia sends him on a mission. That's why Poe's by himself fighting the Dreadnought. And we're going to find out why, the answer as to why no one came to help. So somewhere along the lines, if Lando comes back, something we all think's happening and all want to happen, I guess we should talk, Christian, about what do we think that would be to the movie, to the story yeah. of Star Wars. I'll tell you what I prefer. is I prefer him to have some kind of role similar to what we're speculating on here, mm-hmm. that he's part of the government, part of a mission inside of Leia's circle. I prefer that. I don't want to see the same beat of, oh, he went back to smuggling just like Han did. It's like, mm-hmm. no, let's, let's have somebody stick with it because he was good at it. And so was Han, but Han had to go back. Han wanted to go back, and I get it. We set up in Solo. These guys are very similar, and they kind of came from this world. And I, I think it's okay if Lando doesn't go back to being, you know, uh, whether it's a smuggler or a gambler or, or you know, kind of running. He's always going to run his own his scams, even throughout the the government. He's a, he's a, he's a swindler. That's what he, that's what that's what he does. But I think that the other reason why nobody answered the call, it's a huge galaxy. You know, it's, it's they, and not everybody could get there in time also. So I don't think they're going to acknowledge any of that stuff about the call and all that. I think that it's very similar that he's got a, a leadership role. Excuse me, very, uh, very possibly he has a leadership role. I, he's not going to be running around and fighting. He's either going to be in a ship or he's going to be, you know, in, in some big uh, building or office or whatever it might be. And I like the idea of him taking over for Leia. What do you think? Yeah, I agree that I wouldn't like it if um, he came back and he, we, we find out he, like you said, gone back into smuggling or he's become a hermit like Luke and it's now, where's Lando? We need Lando for the future of the Resistance. That would be very disappointing. I always thought the natural point to bring him back would be after Han died, you know, because it was his chance to finally move in on Leia. Right. But now you, you, you see the, obviously the classic actors, at least for their characters, they're dwindling, you know. Um, I'm sure we will get Luke back in, in, in the Force Ghost form, but... I wonder whether this was always the plan or if it's the plan now because, of course, Han's been killed off, Luke's been killed off. Uh, Carrie Fisher, of course, uh, sadly passed away. Was it always the plan or is it because Lucasfilm, Disney, know that some of some of us fans, me included, who, who love Luke in The Last Jedi, I love The Last Jedi all around, but still some of us want our comfort blanket, you know, in the classic characters. A comfort cape, to, if you will. Yeah. Comfort cape, exactly. And I'm not ready to let go of that comfort cape. Yeah. I'm in my 30s. I should yeah. be, but I'm not, you know? Um, but I guess the other question is as well, what kind of role can Billy D. Williams really have? Because he's like 81. That's where I'm going with the either in a ship 
or in a building because he's not going to be running around doing stuff because right. of his age. Harrison Ford had a semi-action role, didn't he, in The Force Awakens? He did, but, but Harrison, Ford, Harrison Ford's a lot more mobile than, than Billy D. Williams is. Billy <laughs> D. Is, is a little older. He's not. He's he's a little fragile right now, you know. He's, and I think that um, you shouldn't you shouldn't push him. You should let him. He doesn't need to be pushed. He could be. He literally could be. You you could put him in. He could be with Neem Numb again. They could they can cause some crap, you know, mm-hmm. flying around. Um, I'm cool with that. I think that. Uh, but to answer your question, I think from what we've already been proven, what the way that it's been run so far is, JJ came up with his, his thing, Ryan came up with his thing. What are we doing for the third one? Well, uh, Trevorrow will come up with it. Oh wait, no, he's not going to do it anymore. JJ will come up with it. Hey, I want to use Lando this time. Great, use him. That's I, I would guarantee that's kind of how that went down because mm-hmm. if they were going to use, if they were going, I thought that he could have fit in pretty well the last shot. He could have been either Moss. From when, instead of having Maz pop up in that scene, that could have been Lando, or could have been Maz, and then go find Lando at Canto Bite. That could have been, but that's not the story that they're telling. So, Ken, what do you think? Where's Lando going to fit? How should he fit, in your personal opinion? I love this idea that he's set up with Lando. He, you know, last shot, he finds love, and, and his, his droid manufacturing business uh, ties into that moment in Solo where he, he holds L3. You can see... He's gone on to become kind of not obsessed, but just droids are important to him later yeah. in life, and and how he builds them and treats them. So he, I think he might have built a big business. I think you're right. I think he might have gone that direction, and maybe he's going to start bankrolling. Maybe he's the one that's like, you need ships, you need droids. Right. You come to Daddy Lando, and I think maybe that might be something that happens as opposed to an actual military leadership position. He was a general. Right. We know what he did in Battle Tanab. We know what he did the second Death Star. So that is possible. But I would like this idea to have that kind of thing. Then he gets involved. Kind of maybe comes out of retirement like Akbar did uh, for the honor of Leia. Because again, seven and eight happen so close together in the story. I don't know if it's a lot of these characters had time to react yet, yeah. and that's why uh, that answering the call could happen later. So that'd be interesting. As far as Billy D, we know he's training. That's one of our first clues he was doing this. Um, I would love to see, like, on social media. I don't know if he has an official Instagram or not. I don't know. He's got a Twitter. He's got a Twitter. I would love to see, just like Daisy really used to put those videos of her, like, squatting 300 pounds. I'd love to see <laughs> Billy D just, like, doing like push-ups like Rocky Jack Palance yeah. at the Oscars, going, I'm ready for nine. I'm going to be there to I'll kick ass. I'll tell you something else, something a little out there um i don't think they're gonna they're gonna kill off leia in this movie yeah no i don't think they're gonna do it i think they're gonna have her around one way or another um and i think that he's not necessarily gonna take over for leia as much as he's going to be working with her um i don't know how they would do it all the way around but i think that depending on how many years they go into it um but no, I, I don't. I still think they're going to try to try to make it work somehow. I don't know how. It's just I, I think they, it all depends what JJ wants to do in his Santa Monica right. offices. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's the whole point. Is that I think that you know there was more that he wanted to do and more of a story he wanted to tell from his seven into his nine. Um, so we'll see how he's able to do it. And I don't necessarily think they're going to pull a Peter Cushing Rogue One type mm-hmm. situation because they they had said they're not going to do that. But. There's new things and new innovative ways. Is it going to be more like Peter Sellers in the final Pink Panther movie, just over the shoulder (laughs) as he passes after he passed away? I mean, maybe something along the lines, whether it's a something I thought they were going to do with Peter Cushing originally in Rogue One Mm -hmm. are the holograms, you know, like holograms throughout. They're talking to him. There's messages because you could have stuff to what Leia is talking to people throughout. You know, if there's another I don't want it to be in space again. They did that throughout Mm -hmm. Last Jedi and that's fine. But I want to. I don't mind some stuff being in space, but the whole movie was pretty much Battlestar Galactica, Mm -hmm. which was a cool different shift. 
but let's now let's let's divvy that up. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so anybody have any other thoughts on Lando? Just happy to have him back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's still got it vocally. He popped up in Rebels, didn't he? Rebels, he did. uh, yeah, yeah. Battlefront yeah, yeah, yeah. 2, I do believe, as well. Yeah, yep. I, I believe. Yeah, he was yeah. in both. He was yeah. in both. Um, all right, what's next? All right, let's talk Expanded Universe Legends as it collides into the current canon. We know that Timothy Zahn's Grand Admiral Thrawn made his great return in Rebels and in the books, uh, the first Thrawn and the Thrawn Alliances, which Chris and I haven't had a chance to read yet. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But uh, Screen Rant ran a story where uh, they talked to Timothy Zahn, or Timothy Zahn at least was asked about Mara Jade and would this... A uh, character that everyone does love from the Heir to the Empire trilogy and beyond. She had a big part in Legends. Would she be back at nine? And Timothy Zahn said, well, I haven't been approached by it, which speaks to some sort of ownership uh, to the intellectual property of this character, Mara J. Um, uh, but he also admits that, uh, you know, uh, he wasn't really contacted about Thrawn uh, regarding Rebels until late in the game. Right. But uh, it, it always happens a lot. This is actually, I should say, an interview with uh, Talking Bay 94 podcast. Uh, just seeing that down there. I want to give them credit. Talking Bay 94 uh, was the ones talking with Timothy Zahn. Timothy Zahn. And Zahn did say, if there was a generic or organic spot for her to fit into a story, not just nine, I promise people I will pitch it to the Lucasfilm story group, and then it's their decision whether to allow it or not. So... Mara Jade, everyone's favorite redhead in the galaxy with the purple yeah. lightsaber, Christian. What do you think about well, all this? First of all, because you're nicer than I am, I guess, and I love the people over at Del Rey, but you didn't send us our book. That's why we didn't get the, the Thrawn thing. Looking at you, Eric. Um, but we, we're going to get that book, and we'll make sure that we review, review it for sure. I can't wait for that novel. Can't mm-hmm. wait to see now what... Um, Sexy Thrawn. I want to see what happens. I want to see what happens, and I'm, I'm very curious. Hearing great things. Mara Jade, I think, at this point... I hate to say it, but to all the Star Wars fans, let it go. It's <laughs> let not gonna, it go. I want it, I want it to happen. Yeah. I would love for her to pop back in. It, it would have been something if she would have popped in a flashback, The Last Jedi, of kind of Luke reflecting of what happened in his um, past life, you know, or earlier life. And I just think there's no place for her in nine. It's not going to be Carrie Russell. People keep thinking, oh, it's going to be Carrie. No, they just have the same color here that's that's it that's where it ends uh, mm-hmm. and i don't think that she's going to pop up in any of these new animated things maybe possibly in in favreau's show if they're going to fit her in anywhere it could be there because i'd also like i think it'd be a perfect place to finally put sebastian stan as uh, as young luke and then put in marriage aid but that's me fantasy booking that's not mm-hmm. that's not anything i think could happen anytime soon so and as far as Zahn being contacted, he, he's, he, he even said it himself, but in, in a different way, he doesn't have to be contacted. He right. doesn't own those characters. They're Lucasfilm. They're Disney's characters. They did it in Rebels for respect because he created them. But um, I think Mara Jade is a fantastic character. Would love to see her. I don't think it's going to happen. Am I nuts? I was never big on the expanded universe legends, but I'm aware of her and of her importance, particularly in, uh, in, in the Star Wars fandom. But I kind of think if, you know, if she's Luke Skywalker's wife, why wasn't she trying to help find him? Right. You know, so the only way I can imagine her coming back is like you said, she's died uh, once again, bringing the death up, and it's in a flashback. That's the only way I could see her. Anything else would feel too shoehorned to me. I agree. Ken? Shoehorn is a great way to look at it. There, The Thrawn return was very organic, much like Zahn's talking about here. And I think as, a, as, a, as, a, as an author, you know, I, you, we would trust him, his skills. Uh, as, as an author, Timmy Zahn would know when to bring her back the right way in his own terms. As far as the movies, 
I think that that time has passed. If it was there at all, I, I I do love the Heir to the Empire trilogy. That is, I always say how I'm too not much of an EU Legends guy, but I do love that Heir to the Empire trilogy. Marge, it's part of what I love about it. But I like Talon Card a little better. I like Th- Thrawn. I think. Um, uh, Marjade was a little too one-dimensional towards the end there, so I, I'm I'm okay with her not being included. But uh, if she shows up in some way or form, they had a nasty divorce. They had a nasty back. divorce there. Yeah. Uh, remember, we talked. There was a while there was rumors that in Rebels, I think Sarah, Sarah yeah. Michelle Geller's character, she ended up being a, a sister from the uh, the Inquisitors. I was excited about that idea, so it's not like I'm uh, against Mara Jade or anything like that. I just, if it's done right, and I don't know if it needs to be the movies. Well, I mean, I think that they have to place it in, like, exactly the right yeah. way, because when, it was funny, when Thrawn was announced at Star Wars Celebration in London, mm. um, the same panel that they announced it, someone on the, the Q&A, a fan goes, well, Mara Jade show up now, and... Floney's like, man, you give him an inch, and it's yeah. like, I just we just gave you Thrawn, and now yeah. you want marriage Jade. It's it's you know it's a testament to the character. The character right. was very popular and it was cool because the other thing that I thought was so cool about the character that they can't really do right now unless they go into the the series. But even then, Palpatine's toast at that point. The coolest thing for me with Mara Jade was that she was working with Palpatine. Yeah, yeah. She was working with Palpatine. Goes to assassinate Luke at Jabba's palace, um, mm-hmm. and then starts to see. She essentially is what uh, 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 Janina. Yeah. Janina's character, Aiden. Uh, Aiden Versio. Served a lot of what Mara Jade did yep. and had a faster turn than yep. Mara Jade did. But they, I think they took a lot of those characteristics of Mara Jade and put it in, in Versio. People don't really talk about that that much. Right. But no, I don't think she's coming back. I wouldn't, I, if, if it's, I agree with both of you guys. If it works, great, but don't shoehorn it in. Mm-hmm. All right, what's next? Hey, a Rogue One story. Hey, Remember Rogue One? Remember, Cody, do you remember they had reshoots in Rogue One? No. Yeah, they had some reshoots in Rogue One. Gary Witta, one of the writers of Rogue One there, he uh, had a little story this week uh, that he said, uh, talking about the end of the movie with Vader. Now, he had pitched a different version. The version I pitched, but never wrote, had Vader on the Scarif Beach single-handedly slaughtering his way through a rebel blockade at the base of the Imperial Tower. The version in the Radis hallway works much better because it's so contained, feels more horror than action. And I think it's just a fun discussion point. We had heard some things different along the way. There was always rumors percolating about how they were going to use Vader, when they decided to use Vader. Uh, when it was on board pretty early in the story there. So eh, what do you think about this version, Chris? I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's just kind of an evolution of what it ultimately became yeah. to be. Um, I liked from the rumor, if you believe it, I tend to believe it, was that the Vader editing that they shot, mm-hmm. he killed everybody. He killed uh, Felicity Jones. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he, yeah. he killed them all. Um, but after test screening, it not that it does it did, not that it was a bad scene. It was just way too dark. Like yeah. even though everyone dies in the in the cut that we saw, there's still hope. Yeah. It's still like we know that from episode four on, things are going to get better now. Right. But if you would have seen Vader wiping everybody out, like just slaughtering them it's it's like that that's tough tough to yeah. watch still would have been cool to see but yeah. tough to watch and this scene that it ultimately turned into i think was the right one um so it doesn't shock me that this is the conversation that he had at one point and and there is still that horror feel that we see in the, in the cut yeah. but this one that he's talking about it seems to be a little bit more vicious yeah i mean for me and for many people that was the scene wasn't it from rogue one yeah. that was the in fact vader that is the vader yeah. scene that we'll always think about now at, at the top so I never really thought 
did we need another version? Because I was satisfied with what we got. But then thinking about him on the beach, uh, you know, conjuring uh, salty force waves and taking <laughs> everybody out, kind of cool. But at the same time, I think they just got it right because any more, an inch more than what we saw, I have continuity issues, you know, yeah. uh, generally, throughout, throughout life in general. <laughs> and already it's a bit like, well, why is he so forced out? So battle chill after, right, you know, right. obviously being inhaling after that uh, moment in Rogue One. So anything more than that, it would be like, no, this is too different to what yeah. we see. You know, yeah. So close in time afterwards in I terms agree. of his fighting skills. Okay. Yeah, I love the version. I love what it says. Mark Riley and I talked about it uh, when the movie came out, we, when we first saw it, that it's like a horror scene. Yeah. Vader's like a monster yeah. in the hallway, and I love the way. One of, my, one of my favorite shots is when that, after kind of the initial rush of action, and the guys, the rebel officers pounding on the door, and then you see this cut looking up, and there's Vader just in a bright hallway, not this kind of version, right. slicing down. It was like, ah, it was scary horror, Star Wars horror in a way. So I love the idea, but I love that. I love. Uh, I still am fascinated with the idea of the the original, supposed original endings of Rogue One that we saw in the trailer. Them on the beach, running around, right. and what could have happened. Mm. I'm very satisfied with the 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 end, the third act of Rogue One. Um, uh, but there's the back of my head when I hear this stuff. I'm like, what would have been on this? Him on the beach, pulling X wings out yeah, of the sky, yeah. video game magic. But it would have been cool. Well, now think you about it, maybe I do want it. Yeah, well, think <laughs> about the scene. Did you watch Rebels? Yes. So that the second season when he's fighting mm-hmm. Kanan and, and Ezra, and the walker falls on top of him, but he catches it at the last minute, and then he pulls it up and throws it aside. Imagine seeing that in the movie. Mm. You'd lose your mind. Like, that scene yeah. alone was so cool just in Rebels alone. But imagine if that was a live-action movie to see how powerful and what he could do. The stuff with Vader and Rebels was the best stuff because it was, and Filoni said it, they used him the right way. They used mm-hmm. him sparingly. They, they, they put him in when they needed to, and it made an impact. It, was, it didn't need to lead with him. Do you think they used him too sparingly in Rogue One, though? Because there in were Rogue One. Other, other scenes. Because there was two actors, Spencer yeah. Wilding and Daniel yeah. Naporis. It's like a horse master in the UK. Yeah. Right, Game of right. Thrones stunts and what have you. And from what I believe, um, and I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but Naporis, mm-hmm. he was in the scene, you know, because he's the stunt guy. Spencer Wilding is like the, da- uh, the Dave Prowse kind yeah, of, yeah, you know, yeah. right, big right. dude. And I believe a lot of his scenes got cut. Anyway. Well, they showed some of that stuff in the original, in that kind of uh, the London um, footage that they showed. Yeah. It was like him over like the schematics of the the Death Star. Death Star. Um, but uh, yeah, for one reason or another, it got cut. To answer your question, um, I think it's similar to what we talked about before with the Jar Jar stuff, right? Like, if this is the last time we're ever going to get Vader in a Star Wars movie. Then, then I'll look back and say, man, I wish they would have used him a little bit more. But if they, I still am ninety percent sure had they had done an Obi Wan movie, Vader would have been in that movie, and they would have done it the right way. And then I would have been fine with the way they used him in Rogue One because I got him a little bit, and then I got a little bit more, and they kind of pepper him in because similar to Rebels, it's episodic, right? So the movies, if they're done, if he's in these episodic films really then you're going to keep peppering them in here and there that I'm okay with it but if they don't ever use them again then yeah I'll look back and go ah, I wish they would have used them a little bit better Ken? Yeah I agree with that I mean I love uh, other than the Vader dad joke pun I, I love the Vader's castle stuff and even then I'm fine with that the, the don't choke on your aspiration so I really love the character of Krennic a lot uh, especially in the book Catalyst so seeing them interact was great but yeah if it's the last Vader you know uh, okay yeah. cool cool maybe a little bit more but I'm, I'm happy with what I got. Can I say something? Probably sacrilege, and I can already see the comments sure, lighting sure. up saying it. Yeah. 
I love that they brought James Earl Jones back for both Rebels and Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I think that should be it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. Um, because I think that he it it was fine inside of those scenes. Yeah, you can noticeably hear. Yeah, the age in his voice, and if they're setting it in that time period when he's younger, right. the voice should sound like it did in Episode Four. There are people out there if you just google or youtube darth vader impression they sound more like vader than james Earl jones does <laughs> and i love james Earl jones i think he's the best he is vader right. but listen to that scene again in rogue one you can tell that the man is 83 or 84 years old i understand that you look at him with my initial anger. reaction i was just just disappointed <laughs> in the words that left your uh, your mouth Kristen. Trust uh, now i'm sort of thinking like back my in mother. my mind yeah. Yeah. to the voice yeah i hear what you're saying completely but then i kind of think look if you are ever going to do you know these films are going to go on for years if you're ever going to do anything more with vader and of course with vader and hopefully we get palpatine back because love yeah. palpatine you've got to get james Earl jones in and just record every possible <laughs> sentence like like he's doing a sat nav or something you know yeah in my opinion while he's yeah. still around i know i just yeah. and just, Ian mcdermott is still there he's yeah. and he's still i think uh, probably he's coming back sooner than later yeah. i hope so i think he's coming back sooner than later because i still I, I think i talked to you we talked about this ken with the you know with mm. episode nine this is something that was out there for a long time is that floating hand thing right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The floating hand thing the the luke thing the was luke going to be a clone thing all that kind of stuff that that came from the extended universe right and that was a big scene for J.J., was that floating hand, and it was an angle that they didn't play. Right. I don't think he's done with that. Hmm. I don't think that, that angle is going to be done because it was everywhere. It was everywhere. You couldn't get away from that scene. Everyone thought that floating hand in space was going to be there. Everybody was happy when it wasn't. But take out how silly it might have looked in the beginning. It was a story point. Hmm. There was something going on with that. Hmm. It's still possible. We shall see. We but- shall see. Hey, Collider Jedi Council fans, this is John Roca. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. That's right. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Weird, right? I've done it a few times. It's a little strange. It actually works. Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid, so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. That is it. That is it. That's Star it. Wars it's everything news. in Star Wars movie news. Now we're going to switch on over to a segment we simply call What's the Deal with Canon? You're going to have to find out where that guy is. Get an interview with him. Um, so everything in the world is Star Wars that relates to the movies, but it could be video games, new TV shows, animated, uh, comics, all that stuff. So we're going to talk about it. Ken, there was a major, major announcement at Comic-Con San Diego, and I was there. 
What was it? You were there while I was busy day drinking. San Diego Comic-Con was last week. Jealous. My feet have just recovered. But you were at the 10th anniversary panel for Clone Wars, moderated by Amy Ratcliffe, who's got a great book coming out herself uh, soon about the women of Star Wars. And you were there. You were the man on the ground with a big announcement that swept Comic-Con. Clone Wars saved. Um, one word I can say for this was electric. And I, you and I were at the Rotten Tomatoes party the night before. Right. And we were sitting there, and someone had asked me, am I going to the Clone Wars thing? And I said, I love the Clone Wars. It's, like, one of my favorite things ever. But, like, I'll read about it, the 10-year thing. It's, like, I'm sure they're going to have some nice moments, and, and it'll be cool. But I don't think I'm going to go. And then while I was there, I think it was, like, at least, Ken, three or four people that were, mm. like, no, you should be there tomorrow. And I'm like, really? Like, you should cover it. You should be there tomorrow. And so I was like, all right, maybe they're going to do something. And, of course, my head starts going, like, what are they going to do, a Clone Wars movie? Are they going to do a – are they going to announce, like, a new series there? Like, what's going to happen? So as the panel is going on and Filoni and it was uh, – I always say Matt Mercer, but it's uh, – who's, who's Anakin? Matt Lanter. Matt yeah, Lanter, yeah. thank you. And, of course, our friend Ashley Ecksteiner and, and, and Kevin Kiner, who yeah. I'd never been able to have the privilege of um, either interviewing or seeing in person. It was great to see him. And I was just kind of taken all aback by it because they were showing original art, storylines. They talked about Dark Disciple, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. things that they wanted to do. And, and it was just cool. I would have been, honestly, I would have been content being there. And I would have been just like, oh, well, you know what? They didn't announce anything, but I'm glad I went because it was cool to hear all these stories. But then I start thinking as, as Filoni starts teeing it up and he's going... The fans kept writing, save Clone Wars, hashtag save Clone Wars, this, this, and this. Oh, when we got canceled, oh, I always wished, man, what could we have done if we didn't get canceled? And I'm like, he's teeing this thing up. And then they show the trailer, and the trailer pops, and you see all the helmets of the clones. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I thought we were just getting a, clo- a clones movie. Yeah. And I was bummed. I'm like, yeah. it's just going to be a movie about fives and everybody. I'm like, who cares? I'm like, I, I'm like, I can't feign excitement for this. But then Anakin pops up. Yeah. And I'm like, well, oh, all right, now, now it's on. And you could tell, like, the energy in the room started, like, really building up, and everybody started to get it. And when they announced that it was going to be on the streaming service, the first word is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's, just, it's really smart. You have all these – you have Favreau series. You have this. If they do a movie. Mm-hmm. And you're selling the series on Star Wars, which they should. I love that it's coming back. It's 12 episodes. I think it's going to start – where we left off in, in season six, and it's going to lead up right to Revenge of the Sith. That's what I hope. That's what I guess. First of all, are you a fan of Clone Wars, and do you think the show should come back? Yeah, so Clone Wars came out during my university years, mm-hmm. so it's a kind of hazy but <laughs> beautiful memory, right. if you like. So it's something I've wanted to revisit for a long time, and now I'm definitely going to have to because, of course, uh, to get back on track. Can but- I just say real quick, I feel like if you were around in the 60s, you would be hanging out with Jim Morrison. Sure. Yeah, I, 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 that's a, and that's a huge compliment. I forgive you for the James L. Jones okay, comment. Okay, great, now. good. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, just as I'm watching, I feel like you could have been in Oliver Stone's movie. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take it. Like yeah, I yeah. say. Uh, but my my question back at you guys is: because I've been doing some pretty hardcore traveling last few weeks, and I've just been skimming around social media. Was this a 100% genuine surprise? Were there any rumors on Twitter? I hadn't heard a thing about it. I had heard one thing the day before in a tweet from one of the voice actors, but it wasn't... A, it was just like... The first time I was like, I wonder if they will do anything. But I wasn't thinking this. No. I was thinking what you were thinking. Like yeah, one, movie a, a movie or something movie, like that. But, but they, even, even, the, even the, the host, the moderator, Amy, Amy Ratcliffe, they, they hadn't told her, so her, her surprise was... Well, actually, next time broke down like crying yeah. inside of the thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, 
the funny thing is it makes sense, right? I mean, it makes sense for the streaming service, which you think, especially on this show, we would have speculated, you think they'd ever bring Clone Wars back? I mean, because the thing, the re- why right. couldn't they do the show? Right. Because Cartoon Network was putting on that show, right. and the Cartoon Network, it was more of a, um, it was more of an, not adult, but it, it had more adult themes in it, right? And then they go over to Disney Junior with Rebels, and it could only do so much. But the streaming service, there's no rules yet. Mm-hmm. So, and it's theirs to do what they want. It makes all the sense in the world that you would do this. Do you like the decision? Uh, I, I love this decision. Clone yeah. Wars is one of my favorite things of Star Wars. I think it's it's good. It, it's um, it, it's interesting. It's just twelve episodes. I wonder. That's why that's why I keep speculating on does it does it end moments before Revenge of the Sith? Should it um, or should it? Because like the novel Labyrinth of Evil was great non canon uh, nowadays, but I think it should. But then the question is, if it's, maybe this is so good and popular they want to do another year. But maybe knowing Filoni, like we do as fans, the thing with he set out to do with Rebels was to tell his story on his own terms and yeah. end it on his own terms. Yeah. He admits we saw it at the Rebels thing, the Rebels viewing. I didn't get to do that with Clone Wars, so maybe this is his way of coming back. Let me end it the way I wanted to end it, 12 episodes. And that, if that's the case, I would love to see. We know the Siege of Mandalore is important. We know that Ahsoka's on Mandalore. We know that if you read the Ahsoka book by E.K. Johnston, she's there. They're fighting Maul. Whatever's going on there, Anakin has to leave because something's going on in Coruscant. That would be, I'd love to see that play out. I think that they wanted to do one series because of time constraints also. Mm-hmm. Because sure, yeah. Floney's going to be working on Resistance. He's going to be heavy into Resistance, how many seasons they want to do that. And and I'm confident that he's going to be working with Favreau on that live action show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think it's great as well for the future of the prequels with the next generation of fans as well. Because all this new, the newest generation of fans that we have, because... They don't get as much talk. There's not as much connections in the new films to the prequels as there are to the original trilogy, of, of course. And, you know, I like the prequels. I didn't love the prequels, but I, I like them. I don't go back and watch them so much. But I don't know. Like, with, with this, I mean, the Clone Wars did good things for Jar Jar Binks. You mm-hmm. know, if, if people are discovering the Clone Wars now for the first time who haven't seen the prequels, hopefully they'll go back and, and watch and discover right. the prequels, yeah. Yeah. which deserve more respect than they than they get, in my opinion. I'm a prequelist myself, sir, so I understand what you're saying. But well, yeah, I, I like I like what this will do for the Star Wars story as a whole. It starts to tie it up more. Right? Yeah. I mean, the other yeah. thing you mentioned as far as Labyrinth of Evil goes, another mm-hmm. one that tied it up was the Tarotovsky's uh, Clone Wars before it yeah. became that the little. It's an- great. It's a great non-canon, but I mean, non-canon. If you haven't seen it, check it out. But it ends yeah. with Grievous capturing Palpatine. Yeah. And taking it was Shakti that dies in the in, right. Yeah, Shakti? Shakti has died like three times. Well, whatever, but <laughs> in I, deleted scenes or books and comics. Right, but yeah, Shakti yeah. is on the ship in the deleted scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's and she gets taken by Grievous as well. Yeah, because there's two Jedi that save Palpatine right. at the end, and or, well, are trying to save him. Right, yeah. And then Grievous comes in, wipes them out, and then Shakti comes in, gets captured, and then it leads into Revenge of the Sith. Right, right. And so I would like to see them. Do similar to that. And the other question, I think we're going to cover it in... in uh, oh, you know what? I'll save it because it's a question in, in Twitter. Just remember the Dark Disciple question when it comes up. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I think that's... Uh, 
you know, there's other stuff. Why don't you do a quick roundup for the other stuff, too, because I want to get to the Twitter questions Great. and the Facebook questions. So what's a roundup? Uh, we got the Lucasfilm, uh, the Delray and Lucasfilm uh, Press. You know, yeah. They put out the books. That we got some cool books and comics coming out. Uh, I think uh, the highlights in, uh, are, for me, the Padme Amidala novel finally confirmed. We had talked about it here, I think, even a year ago. You've been calling for this uh, book for I've years. been calling for this book. I, I, I want this. And then talking about the prequels, it's Padme after uh, E.K. Johnson, who wrote the Ahsoka book. This is her transition from Queen to Senator. Mm. Claudia Gray, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Obi-Wan, a Master and Apprentice novel. This is great. She did some great work, and from a certain point of view, we know her work from the other books, but she, she I think, can write these two characters very well. I'm excited for that. So Padme's book, Queen's Shadow, this one, Master and Apprentice. And then uh, we're getting uh, interesting um, uh, comics uh, beginning December, Age of Republic, Age of Rebellion, Rebellion, and Age of Resistance, a maxi-series, 30-issue maxi-series, chronicling the most iconic heroes and villains from across the galaxy. Uh, Jody Hauser, who's been working on the Thrawn adaptation for Marvel Comics, is writing a lot with this. A children's kind of series, uh, a Star Wars Tales from Vader's Castle. Oh, wow. It might be one of those children's series you might want to read as an older fan to get some canon. It's people kind of telling ghost stories, and then it, there's even like an Ewok kind of one, uh, and then uh, they end up on Vader's Castle where Darth Vader's none too pleased that people are in his house. So yeah. that's some of the highlights. I know you're going with the Padme book. You've been asking for that thing for two years. Yes. Um, obviously for me, uh, Claudia Gray has surpassed uh, Timothy Zahn as my favorite, uh, and, and James Lucino as my favorite author. Uh, in Star Wars history, yeah. I think that she she put out Lost Stars, which is arguably one of the best, if not the best, of the new canon stuff. Uh, I loved Bloodline; thought the Leia yeah. book was incredible, and I haven't even, I haven't even had a chance to read the, her story in a certain point of view, and I have to do that. Yeah. But um, the main question, the most important question, is when you look at Bloodline, Ken, and um, Leia, mm-hmm. will Obi Wan or Qui Gon? Have some time on Harloff Minor. <laughs> of course. We need your planet back in a book. We got it. She's done two in a row. Do you know this, Jamie, that uh, Claudia Gray named a planet after Christian and put it in canon? No, Do you it, know that Harloff that's, Minor? That's what I'm it? hoping for. I, I want to see. I know Leia's been on the planet. Leia's talked about it. I know C-3-Bio's been on yeah. it. She's talked about it. Yeah. So I want to see what happens. I want to see what the politics are like <laughs> on Harloff, Harloff Minor. And if Qui-Gon Jinn is talking about it, I can, I, I'm uh, good. I'm all right. That's could the there last be, one. What if, what if uh, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan go to Harloff Minor to compete in an intergalactic Space trivia contest, amazing, <laughs> and, and yeah, and uh, Kylo Ken is on the planet, but maybe maybe we see Harloff Major this time. Harloff Major. So um, yeah, this is me hoping that Claudia Gray is watching this episode. All right, so let's uh, let's move on in. We're gonna get to Twitter, Twitter and questions. Facebook here. Yes, we went to Twitter and we asked you guys to do the hashtag Collider Jedi Council, the Facebook fan group, the Collider Jedi Council fan group. Go ahead and join them today. We put a post and we asked some questions. Ken, there were some good ones. What do we got? Well, let's start with the one you wanted to get to, Jason uh, Kusterin. Uh, Kusterin? Uh, it's always a battle to see how wrong you yeah. can say the names. Does for the Facebook group, like I said, do you see any way they work the events of Dark Disciple, uh, Christy Golden's novel, yep. into the new Clone Wars, considering it was based on unproduced episodes? Christy Golden uh, took those episodes as uh, scripts and turned them into an excellent book about Asajj Ventress and Quinlan Voss. Do you think we'll see it, Christian? Well, it's interesting. They, they, they referenced it in the panel because they showed art um and i think i i don't know if i sent it to you i'll show it to you but they yeah. they showed art from the unfinished episode and it was quinlan boss tuku uh, i think maul was in this shot on one right. of these and um and then asajj ventures with the hair kind of come back i think that they might 
because I don't, I, I don't think that they're just going to assume everyone has read Dark Disciple, you know. Right, and I think right. that you can still take a lot of Dark Disciple, and, and what a lot of people don't realize is that George Lucas's daughter wrote that episode. Yeah, um, Katie. I, yeah, yeah. I think that they will explore that because I think a lot of people are going to ask questions as far as where's Quinlan Boss, where's Asajj Ventress, and I think that if you're going, that's there's some of the main characters. We're going to kind of. Squish it in. Uh, squish it in. Twelve episodes of pushing everything in and trying to tie up all these stories, and I think that'll be one of one of the ones. The question is, we don't know how long the episodes are going to be either. Yeah. Are they going to be forty five minutes? They're going to be half That's an true. hour. Going to be an hour. But um, did, were you familiar with the Dark Disciple novel? No, I, okay. I hadn't read the book, so it's, I just agree with what you said. Uh, yeah. I guess that's the easiest way for me to answer. But also, after seeing Solo um, with more popping up at the end, I kind of think anything's possible. Even though I haven't read the book, anything is possible now, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Ken, now you think you've read Dark Disciple. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, do you believe that they're going to take elements from it? Because I don't think, I mean, the thing is, this is a, actually a new problem that we had brought up before. Yeah. If they do the episode of Dark Disciple, they can't change anything. Right. Because it's canon. Yeah. yeah. I think what you might get is a reference to the events in Dark Disciple. Okay. Maybe it's happened. Maybe it's happening. Mm. Um, because, yes, it does involve, you know, the assassination of, of Count Dooku, and they send Quinlan Voss uh, to do this, and, and a lot of things happen. Um, don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't, hasn't read it out there, but I think the best way might be this is happening or it has happened. Which is how it works. Like again, I mentioned E.K. Johnson's Ahsoka. I, I actually need to reread the book, or at least the beginning, because it deals with the siege yeah. of Mandalore, which was what they were hoping to get to in the Clone Wars. And it's good to kind of have that stuff either mentioned, tied in, get a peek of it. I think I think that might be the case with twelve episodes, even if they're an hour. Yeah, you don't have a lot of real estate, and I think that's how you deal with it. I'm okay with them doing an episode with sure. the events from the book, like them actually taking that episode they were going to do with Katie Lucas and and turning it into an episode of me and then reading the book going, oh, remember that. That's awesome that they actually, that's, that's how they put it to screen. And I think that because the book is an underrated book, it's one of the best mm-hmm. books out there so far, I think it'll play well. I think it'll play well with fans. So I hope that they do uh, tackle it. All right, what's next? All right, let's have an interesting question here uh, from Schmodown Gifts at Schmodown Gifts. For your favorite Schmodown Gifts, go to Schmodown Gifts. Assuming that we are going to be saying bye-bye to a few MCU characters the next few years, which cast members currently tied down with Marvel would you like to see take center stage in an upcoming Star Wars film or I'll add project? Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Because I think he still could play Thrawn and be good at it. Although Fastbender might be a little better. Um... Or Chris Evans. Not Chris Evans. Um, uh, Sebastian Stan? No. Well, Sebastian Stan, definitely. Robert Downey Jr.? No, Josh Thor. Roll. Thank you. Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth? I, but no, you say Sebastian Stan. That's Liam Hemsworth? <laughs> Liam Hemsworth. He's not in, in Marvel. I would say you said Sebastian Stan, yeah. and that's the one. I want Sebastian Stan in the Favreau series. Do you have yeah. anybody? Um, I mean, it's a fun question, so... To play along, play. go over Hemsworth. Yeah. But, I mean, we had Bettany. I know he wasn't center stage, but we had yeah. right. Bettany, so we right. kind of ticked the box. But I don't think Star Wars needs established actors. I prefer it when they bring in, you know, uh, Boyega. We knew him from mm. Attack the Block. That was it. You know, yeah. Daisy really did a few commercials in the UK and a couple of bit parts in soap operas and what have you. I prefer it that way. I think there's less pressure on the actors as well. Mm. And you're not just relying on their social media following to bring in fans. I don't like that. Um, although I realise the importance of it yeah. in, in these days. Cumberbatch would be 
brilliant, you know, as an Imperial officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you can imagine that. But he's already been a villain in a Star Trek film. I don't know. There's a bit too much cucumber patch, uh, in my <laughs> opinion. No disrespect to me. No, I, none taken. Yeah. I think that you're right. I think that, that was one of the questions that always came up with Leonardo DiCaprio being Anakin, right? It's like, can you... Can you look at the character and say that's Anakin, or are you the whole time saying that's Leonardo DiCaprio? Or Michael Jackson being Jar Jar Binks. Or Michael Jackson <laughs> being Jar Jar Binks, yeah. So it's like, you know, it's... Alec Guinness was the biggest star yeah. in 1977. Yeah. Ken, what do you think? Um, I, you know, I, I, we're talking about characters saying, quote, bye-bye to MCU. I don't know if we have... I, I'm not a giant MCU fan. I love the movies. But I don't know if the character's officially gone, but she definitely wasn't in the last one I saw there, uh, not counting Ant-Man. And that is uh, Tessa Thompson as Saint of Star Wars. I thought oh, we were yeah. going to get that for Solo. I was really looking forward to that. Um, I know we might not be doing more in the Solo universe, but with Favreau's series, maybe you move that character along. Tessa Thompson would be a great addition, and I want Saint of Star Wars to appear on some live-action form somewhere. I think it was a lock if they would have done... Um, part two. I yeah. think it was a lock you would have seen her, especially with the inclusion of, of uh, Maul. Yeah. That means that they were playing into that stuff. So, yeah. and, they, and they covered it in the last shot novel that she was in it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was an absolute lock, but I just don't think that movie's ever going to see the light of day now. So yeah, I agree. All right, what's next? Uh, this is an interesting question here from Michael Biachochi. I'm just going to say is uh, Mike Broski. Yeah. This is Twitter. I'm bad at names, people. Right. What storyline or characters from the new films would you like to see integrated into the new Clone Wars season? He'd like to see something with Orson Krennic. It's fun. We talk about connections, Harloff Minor, all these yeah. connections from from the movies. And uh, what would you like to see? Um, I'm going to piggyback off of this, too. I think that mm-hmm. Krennic and um, and Urso yeah. working together at that point because they've already explored the, the construction of the Death Star inside mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars many times. So, I mean, even some of the unfinished episodes that they show that you can find on YouTube yeah. has them finding the, the crystal. So I think the stuff that I read in Catalyst and how that stuff came around that time, I think that'd be interesting. What do you think? I think I love I love that stuff because that, that Catalyst stuff is is amazing and yeah. runs through the Clone Wars and Separatists. But talk about the Separatists um, from Rogue One. You know, from the novel, we we learned Cassian Andor, Diego Luna's character, was. A separatist, so to speak. That's right. why he didn't trust Jedi. It's why he, in a little more in the books, he has more distrust for Sherrod Emway and Baze Malbus and their, and their Wills connection. And that's because his family was on that side fighting the Jedi. So maybe a younger Cassian Andor or an Andor family showing up in some way. I'd like some kind of weird connection like that. Yeah, I think connections are going to happen. That's that's the thing now, isn't it? Mm. For sure. And uh, I guess Rogue One's really the more or less the only one they can they can pull from. Solo too. Yeah, yeah. Solo I mean, for that but... close into it, I mean, you just never know with aliens and stuff. You could pull. You could pull some yeah. stuff. Yeah. Rebels, maybe. Yeah, uh, I mean, mm. Cassinando. I was going to say as well, and also Radis would be fun. Oh, I'd love some Radis. Oh, he'd make that's his my day. guy. Make his day. All right, so let's do the last one. All right, last one here. This is from Cameron Boyd. I think we should close the show in a way we opened it. Were there any interesting Star Wars facts you guys learned from the great John Schnepp? John was a big Star Wars yeah. fan. You guys talked a lot, Chris. It wasn't facts as much it was love. I mm-hmm. think it was the, the stuff that uh, how many times he saw the movies in the theater and how he would want to analyze them and how he looked at all the, like, you know, you could just see him. He's just like, look at that creepy guy in the back. And he could just, he would, he would just analyze things and point out things that maybe I didn't see the first time. Um, if there was something at, at, uh, at most Eisley and things yeah. that he knew and, and just ideas that he had about the philosophies of it. It wasn't necessarily about interesting facts 
about the movies. It was more because he was a movie. My favorite stuff now. It's funny, you know. You you reflect once people yeah. have have moved on. Is that uh, when we used to watch the movies and do our commentaries on them? He would break my chops about all the the books and the canon stuff. If I if I bring that up, he's like he's like I watch the movies, right? And he would and he would, <laughs> but then he would talk to me afterwards and be like, well, so. Wait, what is that character? What is that character? Yeah, you want to know about it. So I think it's more about just – it's similar to what I was talking about in the beginning. It's just conversations that I had. So um, I know you didn't really know uh, John um, that well, but he was just – I think what I can say about him is that he was just – he was an appreciative. He's the kind of type of fan that we, we strive to be, the, the, mm-hmm. the positive fan that tries to look for – the good in, in in all things that you have, whether it's a Star Wars or Marvel or Star Trek, whatever it might be, and um, he was he would have been someone that uh, he would have a great interview. He directed the Death of Superman Lives What Happened, which was the Tim Burton Superman that was supposed to happen with Nicolas Cage, and it never happened. Um, and he went and found out how. And he, and he, when you were telling me about the interviews that you get, it reminded me of John because he got interviews with people that you went nobody gets that. And nobody, no, I mean, he interviewed Tim Burton, he interviewed Kevin Smith, he interviewed all these people that were, that, um, but in those interviews, a little bit more easy to get. But the other ones that, who was it, the, uh, the producer, uh, John, uh, I should say John Daly, the golfer. Uh, but, but, you know, the, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about, but he was just, but yeah. he was able to get these interviews because he was just that good. Yeah. So um, I wish you could have met him. Mm. Wish yeah. you could have met him. Ken. You know, John uh, taught us how to uh, get sweaty all over these things, and, and I didn't sit down and have, like, a fact-based conversation with him about Star Wars. But when he got me the gift, I mean, yeah, we talked about Star Wars, and I loved his joy. You know, I, I, I come from a place of celebrating more than breaking down and, and, and getting angry about things, and, and that's where John came from, to, you know. He could rant about a Transformers movie if he wanted. We've sure seen could. that on the yep. Schmoes No Show. Um, it's making its rounds too. Making now. its rounds it's again at Second Life, but John John was a creator himself, and that's important too because a, a lot of us in the media discussion world are as well or were. You were in development. We did stand up and everything, so we know what it is to create. And I think I love John taught us to, to still create, but also celebrate and watch the stuff and break it down, celebrating the creators as well. And that's something that's uh, part of uh, John's sweaty legacy. Was indeed. All right. So, guys, with that, we are going to say goodbye today. Before we do, it's a pleasure talking to you about Star Wars and and everything in general today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Where can the good people find you online? Uh, YouTube is my name. Ego problem. Uh, Jamie Stangroom, uh, and that's the same on Twitter. Yeah, okay. I believe so. We, we I follow you. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what I followed. Uh, Ken, <laughs> you can follow me at Ken Napsack. Listen to the Napsack Files. Uh, go to Instagram TV for your daily motivations that don't quite get you through the day. Well, thank you to Jamie and Ken. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we have a very special announcement. For you guys, for all you Jedi Council fans, well, the first part of it is that there's going to be, uh, this is the first part of it, there's two parts of the announcement. The first part is that we're going to be putting a new podcast on the Jedi Council feed, which is going to be called The Rule of Two, and it's going to be, uh, not Ken, it'll be Mark Riley and Mark Fernandez talking Star Wars. That's all it is. Just talking stars, breaking down one particular topic and going over it. That first one will air tomorrow. But the big, big announcement here is that starting next Thursday, Jedi Council will now be live and it will be at 1030 
a.m. I believe 10:30 a.m. Um, I was told 10 a.m. So let's double check it later. It's, no, it's 10 a.m. You're right. 10 a.m. I just think about my my schedule about getting here, but no, I can make it at 10. 10 a.m. PST. It's going to be live. Jedi Council will be live now every Thursday. So share it. Tell people about it. Tweet about it. If you're watching in the Schmoville Facebook group or the Jedi Council group. Post about it, talk about it. We're, uh, movie talk is now f- every day, well, excuse me, Monday through Thursday, and it's live at 4 p.m. PST. So now Jedi Council will be on Thursdays, and man, we're gonna have to find something for that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday spot. It's gonna happen. We'll to find out soon. There you go, guys. So thank you very much for my guest today. Thanks once again for joining us talking Star Wars. I'm Christian Harloff, and we will talk to you soon. May the Force be with you. Always. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $849. Toastmaster small appliances are just $214 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles offers valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.